Welcome to the Chicago Beef League. This is your hosts, Chip Streif and Alex Casillas. Alex, would you like to say hello to our esteemed uh, friends? Hey, everybody. That seemed a very genuine hello. Very genuine. How, are you, really doing? How are you really doing? Uh, I'm feeling a little sick here. I'm on some new medication that just makes me feel like I need to throw up all the time. So a little, little uncomfortable, but... Um, <laughs> In like the year and a half we've done the last pod, uh, <laughs> nothing much has changed. Uh, I have a cat now. Uh, her oh. name is Donald name? Henry. Donald Henry Rumsfeld. Ooh. We call her Rummy for short. <laughs> uh, she's fitting in. Everything's fine. And that's that's it. That's my update, guys. I don't have much else. Well, um, you you've had quite quite a bit happening at your place uh, with the cats and, and the dog, um, but that happened yeah. before we. Yeah. Ended. I don't have multiple cats. Yes, right. Um, and since we've done the pod, we've had a number of changes happen in the street household. Household. Um, namely, I went on a winning streak. Okay, no, no, no. Yeah. All right, we're going to get there. Let's talk about the real, you know, physical things that are going on there. Chip doesn't have a house anymore, basically. No, I do. I'm in the basement. He is living in a tent in his backyard, <laughs> like most of Portland, for the, for that matter. Um, what did you do to your house, Chip? Um, yeah, so our, we, we broke ground on our house in early June, and... We are renovating the kitchen, so torn down to the studs, and we are moving the staircase to our bedroom. Instead, instead of my daughter's room, it goes to my, the kitchen, and we're renovating the master bedroom and bathroom. So it's ve- a lot of construction, a lot of carpentry. They start at 7 a.m. They work Monday to Thursday, and it's really loud when you are opening your eyes. So do you go... Like, do you go work from the office then, or? Yeah, I, I usually go to the office around eight o'clock. But the, okay. the 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 couple of other things that have been happening this summer is summer camps. Summer camps are um, not conducive to parents who work, you know, seven to four or eight to five. Um, so when they start camp at nine thirty and end at two thirty, uh, my life is in and out of the office and in and out of the house here. So. That's been going on. Um, went to Germany. And, have a, you don't uh, have a no functioning kitchen, right? Like you have to. Yes. Oh yes. So we are also uh, grilling in the in the garage. Um, so we got a gas grill and we have a charcoal grill and a, and the Smoky Mountain Weber. Um, so we're doing all the grilling out in the garage. Um, there's a lot of dust and a lot of bugs. Yeah, I'm just. That sounds a lot like what the crackheads down the street for me used to do they used like their generator to you know power everything so again this is like typical portland for most of the people listening we are not typical portland <laughs> but um so we went to i went to germany for work and we also went to vancouver bc with uh, the, my sister and my mom and the family which was a great time and then the other big news is maddie had a baseball tournament tournament like we had baseball every day, every night for seven weeks. 
So it, that was dominating our line up until about mid-July. We went to Eastern Oregon to see him play, and it was a lot of fun. And that was so, like for like yeah. the state tournament, right? Yeah, it was the state tournament. For 10 and under. Yeah. And then, so Little League World Series, that's 12 and under. Because Little League, like, so they don't do Little League World Series for 10 and under. It's just 12 and under. Kind of. We won't go into that right now. Right now but the team that won, I think won it in for 10 and under was Ben. Um, but they played Murray Hill and the 12 and under Murray Hill team, which is Beaverton, Oregon, which is the suburb outside of Portland. They went to 12 and under the Little League World Series and they were the team representing Oregon. So they were playing Seattle, North Seattle and the Washington team. Which, right? Yeah, it's Northeast Seattle, which was the league both of my nephews played in. And I didn't watch the game last night, but apparently the coach for the Northeast Seattle team is he was a dad of kids that were both Thomas and Felix's age. So when I was helping my brother as an assistant coach (laughs) for those teams, um, (laughs) this guy would like, we'd always go up against him. And he was like, dude, his kids were like, they'd only play catcher. That was it. Unless they came to pitch, and they had like he bought them their own catcher gear sure. and like their own helmets and stuff. Like super intense dude. Um, and anyway, apparently he's coaching the Northeast Seattle team, which is you know, I, I don't know if he has a third kid or if he's just like you know, couldn't give up coaching. But sorry, that was a distraction from Maddie. But my point is is just that Maddie's not at that age yet where they do that. Like yeah. the national tournament, okay. No, but I, but at least got a glimpse into uh, is he interested? And I think he he enjoyed himself. So um, we're gonna see if he wants to do all baseball or um, if he wants to play with those kids more and more. So it, 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 in all in all, it was a good experience. Experience and friends. Yeah, like, like I I got to see one of Maddie's games and. It, it's just interesting, like at that age, like the, a league game, not that wasn't the all star team, right, Chip? Yeah. Or was that? Was yeah. So it's just interesting. Maddie's really good um, and, and, you know, looks surprisingly competent playing out there given his training comes from Chip. But, um, you know, he's, he's one of those kids that you, for, for the benefit of everyone else here, like who has, like, he's one of those kids that like stands out as like the good player on the team. Yeah. Um, so well, that's cool, man. Just to, to close out, like the point of pride, and like, just it's not like it's not intended to be as bright, but more so just it's it's so cool to see. But uh, the teams that Maddie played, they they struggled mightily, and Maddie was the only one who really got hits off of the two teams that we played. So he was like three for six or three for seven uh, in the two games. And they got destroyed by both of the teams. So, like, he handled himself this is well. Eastern Washington. Well, I mean, it was no, Eastern Oregon. Oregon. Oregon, sorry. That's what I meant. Yeah. I'm sorry. But anyway, it was it was nice that he, he wasn't overwhelmed. So, um, kudos to him. Hopefully, yeah, we, uh, we can grow from this. And he's grown. It's kind of like I've now seen him over the last, like, eight weeks. He's grown. He's a large kid now. Yeah. Um, th- that's what happens with kids, man. Apparently. All right. Well, I know. More, the- I wanna- what, 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 what else you got? Dude, I just got a shout out here for, uh, we did lose someone close to us recently. Uh, Riley. Yes. Um, so she was a great dog, man. Yeah. Um, uh, my name and, and, and 
the podcast here is for Riley. Um, I named myself Riley, and uh, she, we we put her down last Monday. It was a sad, sad day, and she had cancer and um, something with her, a bad thing about her heart. And um, the doctors warned us that it would go quickly, and it literally in a matter of like an hour, she went from totally happy wagging tail to unable to walk and lethargic and I had to carry her to go to the bathroom anyway it was uh it was sad to see her go but um, she's in a better place so we're we're better now still morning but um yeah. yeah it gets better day by day man anyway so I just wanted to throw that out there now moving on to baseball more this important is, by the way, this is a great transition for you know just like let's <laughs> baseball. So basically what happened since we last did the pod seven weeks ago is that Chip has not lost. And so is this right? Was our last pod, was I 7-0 and when we did our last pod? Something like that. Um, okay. And since then, my team has gone 4-7. and seven. Uh, Or I'm sorry. Yeah, 4-7. and seven. And Chip's team is two games ahead in first place. Um. Uh, it's just, it's really maddening. Um, I, I think I was playing low in week six last time we, we recorded. I, I might get, I might have my dates wrong here, but I was three and three. And fast forward now, I'm, I've gone 10 and two in, in that stretch. Um, notably beating you. Um, and I get to play you again this week. Um, but I did lose to Josh and uh, Low. My nemesis, basically, this year. So, um, yeah, low. There's four of my five losses. We're going to talk about the standings here, but um, Lowe's team in, in second place. Uh-huh. So, um, congrats, Lowe. Yeah, Lowe's um, got, got a solid team. I, he, it's in a, I mean, I, I do think uh, Matt Olson is doing rides. Um, I can't on. prove it, but I'm sure. pretty sure. Chip, okay, and Ellie De La Cruz isn't on human growth hormones. Come on, he's an alien. Okay. That's totally different. That's totally fair. Like, it's a different thing. It's called HGH, man. That's that's all it is. Have you ever seen Ellie? He's yes, a six five, a buck sixty five. Like it is no, he's like six seven, uh, hundred and thirteen pounds. Like, yeah, that's O'Neill Cruz. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, point being. It's been a fun, fun year of a lot of prospects and a lot of rookies. Would you agree? Yeah, I think. I mean, so since we've done the pod, right? Uh, there's, there's a lot has happened, um, and it's just so. It's when I look at teams and who's been with the players that have been successful. Um, it's just, it's sometimes it's really surprising. <laughs> you know, like, like where did this person come from? Um, well, type I mean, stuff. Uh, yeah, we could talk about the individuals, but the, the teams that have surprised this year, like the Rangers and the Reds, the Diamondbacks. And now, like, you're going to begin to see it. The Mariners and the Cubs, my two teams, are coming back. They're, they're now in the playoff. You're going to Baltimore. No, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about Baltimore. Come on. That's John's team. No, but I think they're one of those. Th- I'm saying yeah. that they're. Yes. yes, they're surprised too. I think I win $3,000 if they win the AL East. Really? I thought that was a World Series. That was a bet I placed um, when I had to go collect my winnings after our March, you know, outing. Right. 
I'm just coming to do yeah. a couple of baseball. I also yeah. have Corbin Carroll as uh, NL Rookie of the Year, so let's hope he keeps it up here. He's got a good chance. Um, speaking of which, um, this is changing. This is a tangent, but that day when we went to the to gamble on those those basketball games, I remember Josh getting Jared Kellenick and me saying, "That's not fair. He's my guy." And well. Jerry Kellenick had a good stretch for a couple weeks in April, May. Um, do you think Josh would have wished he had made a trade at that point? Yeah, well, Kellenick, yes, he should have. Uh, but <laughs> I also want to throw some context in here because there are definitely other text chains that I have with you where you still are in- encouraged by the slightest thing that Kleenex does. Like if he, you know, runs onto the field, you get the text of like, oh, there he is. Like, <laughs> it's going to be great tonight. I stand you know? by. It was a good decision to cut. And you agree. Yes. But I, what I'm trying to say is that there's still no love lost between you two uh, or you of him rather. So uh, let's just seg- segue all this to, to uh, the trade deadline here. Uh, and I want to get your thoughts on this. So going into the trade deadline, I've been doing my darndest to make sure that everyone who is selling, I'm actively talking to and, and giving a chance to. And I got, I did trades with Zavo. I did trades with Chen. I did, I tried to do, I did trades with Vishnu. I tried my darndest with Josh. And he, interestingly, was very stubborn. And he declined a trade offer. I trade, I offered a, a a 16th or 17th rounder for Rizzo, who is dealing with concussions and would be back for a couple of weeks. He said, he said that any trading any draft pick after the 10th round is useless. What do you think about that? You know, so it's interesting because I've told everybody, it it's, comes back to bite me because I've told everybody I don't value picks, right? So I think next year, I don't have a second, third, or fourth, or fifth. I forget. <laughs> but like, I think I basically go from like first to sixth round. Maybe I go first to fourth, and then I don't have it between like six and some. Anyway, okay. I give away picks. I hear Josh in the sense that, you know, it, frankly, to me, it used to be when you it, when trade deadline sellers would package a bunch of guys, and it would kind of be like a package for like a high pick. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 12, I think- 8, 6 for a first. Right. What's that? It's like a 12th rounder, an 8th rounder, and a 6th rounder for a first rounder. And they're like, sure. Yeah. Something is proposed. Yeah. I'm not talking about trading, like, I, but like with players. So like, it would be like, I have, I'll give you my third round pick for these four players. Okay. And I think this year it's gotten. I don't know. Like it's, they're clearly throw-ins in, in trades. People are accepting a lot lower. And I don't know if that's just because they're demanding lower or if they're like, remember, what did you trade Tioscar for last year? I don't remember, but it was, it was a sixth round. Eighth round or something. Yeah. Like Tioscar this year would have gone for like, or maybe did go for like a 16th rounder. No, he went for the same thing. Like an eighth rounder. Eighth rounder. Did he? From Vishnu, yeah. All right, good. Um, <laughs> bad example. Anyway, I, they're, they're just, 
again, I don't know if it's because the sellers are saying, um, or the, the buyers are saying like, well, I'll only give you like a 15th. I'm not going above it. And people are just like, fine. Or what? But I, I don't know why to me there to, to answer your original question, what's with trading late round picks. There is no value there beyond just having an act, you know, like an extra dart at the board at some point. Right. And that's, that's it. Uh, so I understand that. If, I, I, if, I don't want to put, so we'll get to oh, I do want to say, sorry, just quickly on the other of that, what's the benefit of holding on to a guy that you're not going to keep? Like if yeah. you know at the point that you're not going to keep somebody, then, you know, if some, if the best you can do is a 10th rounder, then, you know, if you're out of it, what do you care? Right. A 10th rounder or a counter with a 13th round, whatever it is. Uh... Or, or, or actually try to sell your players that you have other interest in. Like if you get one offer for somebody, then contact people like me and Chip who will <laughs> trade all the time and see if you can, you know, get a better bid for it instead of just accepting the first trade that comes to you or not, or rejecting it. So this is right before the trade deadline. So there was some urgency behind this, but I scanned his entire roster and I tried my darndest of like, I would give just, I, I'll take any minor upgrade on my team. If, 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 if possible, I was thinking of like, I'll do a 10th rounder if I could lump three players. The thing is, his team is so bad, so this, bad this year. Couldn't do it. This was the only player I would consider. So, like, I'm not going to up the ante for Rizzo if, you know, I don't see much of a difference between him and Votto this year, for example. They're both been pretty bad. Right. So why would I spend that? But the, the, but the bigger point that he's asking is an interesting one. And I don't think he's wrong either. I hope, you, Josh, you're hearing this. Like, I don't disagree with you, but on the flip side, you got nothing. Like, I would at least take something for the players that I'm not going to keep. Like, right. why wouldn't you just accumulate six 13th rounders? I'm making this up. Six 13th rounders. You could just trade two of those 13th rounders for a 12th with someone, and they probably would do it. What's the harm? Right. And that's where you can kind of go out. Like I always, you guys have all seen those trades for me where it's kind of, there's somebody on my team that I probably don't have room to keep, but I value most of the time. Other people don't. That's what I've learned. But yes. sometimes I'll say, like, I'll like, I'll trade for like a, a, a later pick. And that's just because I know I'm and especially in the off season where it's like looking at people's keeper lists. And it's like, does that, do you really think that person's better than this person? Like, give me, you know, I'll sell this person to you for a later pick. It's just because I know I'm not going to be able to keep that person. I want something for that. Yeah. So separating the the, the entire idea of them, them probably liking a player more than an, another. I think it was just interesting that Josh was very fixated on. There's nothing. There's no material value between ten and eighteen rounders, and it's an interesting just philosophy. I'm, I'd be curious the other league to hear about. Moving on, I wanted to ask about. Uh, I was trying to trade also with uh, Zabo, and he, he proposed a very interesting thing of, of trying to trade up for for a, like a three for one, um, and it's something we'll talk about in kind of the off season. But in general, his what do you what do you think? Because I think we'll invite uh, Zabo on for a. A subsequent week uh, in, in the next couple of weeks to, to talk about his team and his draft and his his performance this year. But what do you think of his roster 
this year? His roster this year? What do you think? Um, I I like the Xander trade. I forget who you got for that. Musgrove? Musgrove. Who's on the aisle now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I think that worked for both of you. Um, I don't know. There, there are a lot of guys. I, I think, you know, there's to an extent he's got a lot of people to choose from. Um, but like, there are also guys I'm not committed. Like there, there'd probably be like fourth or fifth keepers on many teams. Right. And in, in the various categories, right? Like, so it's kind of, um, like if I, I, I think his strategy, if he's going to do it, he, he should, like he, he would have had a great uh, time at the trade deadline. If he was able to trade guys like Newt Barr and some other players that are kind of, you know, fringe keepers for, I don't know, like who did you trade Janmar Kaminari or junior Kaminari for? Well, we're going to get to that in a second. But, um, um, who did I like, get if, him? If I was him, I'm, if I'm him, I would just be like, you know, give me, here, pick your th- three of these five guys for junior, and well, I, I understand. There was a, a lot of debate on that, but um, <laughs> you don't you didn't see that on with with Zabo, correct? No, the what? No, just the the discussions about prospects versus uh, vets with one to threes. He's he's accumulating a lot of one to threes at this point, and uh, it's an interesting. I think he. I think he's uh, holding on to his best. Well, we'll talk. We'll talk to Zavo uh, at a later point. No, I. I hear you. I think you know. It's there's there's. I like the idea of kind of getting a ton of you know trying to and this is something that Lowe did I think successfully, which is just kind yeah. of load up as many guys as you can that have that high floor. These one to threes. And, but there's also a time where you have to be able to trade them, you know, like you have to like, and and sometimes it bites you in the butt. Like I remember there, I traded uh, Manoa for like, I traded him. Wait, wasn't it two or three for three? Yeah. But my, my point was just that I was like, Oh, like, and and I dropped McClanahan his rookie year, that first year he came up just because like, Oh, like, you know, I'm not going to keep these guys. Um, (laughs) And I guess my point is just that like, you, you don't, you need to be able to have a, a method to pick from that group that you're consolidating and then bring the right players into the subsequent year and kind of keep with that strategy. And I think that's what Lowe's done. Yeah. 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 And he, and he drafted well too. So standings wise, right. We, everyone knows that my team's felt felt the cliff and that your team is now soaring. What else is going on in, in the beef league standings at present? It's a really interesting question to ask. Uh, we've we've actually gotten like it's um, in terms of breakdown, it 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 it's even weirder. Uh, in that I think Josh's team or uh, sorry, uh, John's team is actually up there. He's John's on the outside looking in, two games out, uh, and he has a third best breakdown. And um, between you and me, I don't want to face one of those. I don't no, know. Also, there was also a trade that he made with me where he hoodwinked me to acquire <laughs> to acquire the Lowe brothers. Um, but I'm not going to get into that. So <laughs> I think we got a we got a log jam. I don't see much difference between uh, my team and your team, honestly, in the top well, six. So, so there are 12 teams in the league. 
there are three teams that are clearly at the bottom. Is that right? Or are there four? Four. four. And those, who, those teams are? Ten, Savo, Josh, and Vishnu. Okay. And then we have six teams basically in one area with two look that are two games back. Right. So the, we get six playoff spots. So those six teams right now um, are two games ahead of John and Jay. So John and Jay, basically, if they went out here and my team continues to lose, could supplant me. Right. Um, or any one of those folks in the top six there, but Yes, and you just, just just to pick on you for a moment. You play me, of course, but in this week, and who knows what's going to happen. But you you play Sunil next week, and Sunil yeah, is would, another team that's pretty darn good. I yeah, I would it. just I Otani. I bet you it's going to be Angels against the White Sox, and Otani is going to hit thirty home runs against the White Sox. <laughs> now, this, hear me out. You could lose these two weeks and still get in the still playoff. Get in the playoff. Easy. Right. So, so yeah. The, you play Chen and Josh to close out the year. And I think you've got good shots. And you're, and basically, like, again, there's the, you're, you're ahead, you're up by one game against Lowe. Uh, Lowe right. is up a game against a group of four teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, that's when John and Jay are two games back of those four teams. So, you know, yes, a lot can happen. I think it's going to be exciting. Um, yeah. Again, there, there are trends. Like my team is trending down. <laughs> Your team is trending up. Um, another team, you know, low trending up. So I'm I'm interested to see how everything plays out. Any wisdom in terms or, or insight into your team's quote unquote fall from grace? Um, you know, yeah, just bad performance. Um, my offense has been terrible, and my, my pitching is unbelievable all year until and my, and my pitching is right. And that's what I'm saying. My offense is great, and then that's why I started seven and zero. And my pitching has been consi- inconsistent all year. But at the same time, you know, I'm throwing out guys like Verlander, Darvish, um, you know, guys that just I wouldn't swap them for other people. Do you know what I mean? Like, like there's nothing. I don't look at the waiver wire and I'm like, hmm, who can I replace Verlander with? Right. Right. Like if Verlander's on your team, you start him. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of, I guess, inconsistent pitching. And then my offense has gone quiet. It's very typical of you. That Zach Allen is your top pitcher and it's not even close. Who your number two is. Like, and I want Who's your number wanna, two? Who's my number two? Oh man. Um, I still have Lance Lynn on my team right now. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't. No, but anyway, oh, you do. You do. Sorry. Yeah, he's awful. I don't know who my number two is. It's Gallon. Who, who would I usually complain about? I always complain about Darvish. Well, Darvish, Paxton, Urias, and Verlander all are in the 200. They honestly should be top 100 players. And they're under well, you have to point. Everyone, everyone you just named except for Darvish has missed time. So, like, when you look at Verlander's strike, Verlander's strikeouts per game are down, but like, I think he's got like seventy on the year. It's because he missed like six months, and same Paxton missed time. <laughs> um, anyway, Urias too. You, you've dealt with injuries is, is the ultimate point, right? And Bichette yeah. just went on the IL. That's a that's a tough blow. Um, 
but oh, and then the whole Tim Anderson. You know, do you guys remember when Jose Urania or Urethra, whatever his name was, so like the Marlins pitcher, and he like <laughs> like broke Acuna's hand or like just uh-huh. kept pitching, hitting him. Uh-huh. Remember that? And like Jose Urethra is like on my list of people who, like, I would pop his tires in the car in a parking lot if I saw him get out of a car. <laughs> Tim Anderson. His recent antics here uh, are very concerning for me. <laughs> he, he's on the team, as is Jose Ramirez, and one of those guys doesn't suck. <laughs> um, I, I'm with Jose on this the whole way. Tim Anderson is just – I don't know. And, and the bigger question, like for the White Sox too, right, they're obviously going to pick up his option, but like they have all this – it's coming out now that they have a terrible clubhouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Middleton and Lance Lynn um, corroborated that. And like, it's just, it's so depressing being a Sox fan now. It is. It really is. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And like, anyway. um, I would only wish this on the St. Louis Cardinals, but fortunately, fortunately, it literally happened to the Cardinals. So, you know, you can't be as bad as the Cardinals this year. No, which is to me really surprising, but it's there. It's got to be their pitching, right? Their pitching is they don't have anybody good. Well, now they don't. Montgomery actually pitched really well. Anyway, that's we're getting off topic. But the point being, um, in terms of the standings, we have an exciting um, post trade deadline run here of uh, four weeks. We've got a lot of fun. We got some key matchups. Um, and uh, to, just to, I think just the breaking news is that we will be. We're gonna try our darndest to have uh, the teams on the w- that are on the looking uh, on the way out um, between Josh, Shen, and Zabo. Uh, we would like to have them on the podcast uh, here in the next couple of weeks, and um, we'll be talking about their teams, and then we'll also talk about the uh, the current standings in the in the playoff race. Yeah, um, and um, so just quickly, I want to go to our mailbag, and we had. <laughs> We addressed a question from Josh regarding kind of what's the point of late round picks. Um, and we got an email from a listener named <laughs> Lauren. Um, Lauren's a big fan of the show. Uh, first time, first time caller. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he's got all the merch. And um, anyway, Lo, Lo, had, Lo actually had the same question as Josh, which is what's the point of late round picks? And um, I, but- if you, if you, Apologies. I wanted to spend a moment here and, and go into just a wee bit of detail on the, the hypothesis that uh, Josh had that there's no value in a later round. In a later round. Um, so I did a, a robust analysis, robust being the keyword here, uh, of looking at players that met, and this is a very analytical term, met. Uh, expectations or exceeded expectations per round. So the first round, I calculated that there were seven players in the first round that met the value or exceeded it. Alex, you can probably go through the first round and uh, confirm, or you can argue with me. But as you go through the entire draft, there's a some rounds have seven, most rounds have four to five players meet or exceed expectations. There's one or two players that have like a surprising injury. The rest of them are just bad picks. Men don't meet expectations. Um, but in general, it, once you get to like round 14, 
14 is where you see a little bit of a drop off from four people to about one to two. So there is some credence or some value in what Josh is saying, but in general, it still stands by like it's it's a it's still a lottery pick in general of every pick, every round. Um, and what what do you think in terms of the well, it, there is a precipitous drop off after the 14th round or 13th round? Yeah, and I think I mean, but those are also the rounds where we're especially in this league where we keep X number of players, right? Like we we have. At that point in our draft, we're picking guys that theoretically we should be okay dropping, right? Either like, is it a starting pitcher that's, you know, might make the rotation, you know, speculate? Um, yeah. Is, you know, you know like a, a young, or is it like, is it an old guy who's had a good career and has just kind of on the tail end, take a flyer, you know, like, and to, the only point, what you added there, Chip, is like, fine, there might be only one or two per round at those rounds, but if you have four picks in that round, the chance, the chance that you're going to get one of those two guys, right? And and it allows you like strategically, like if I have two picks in this fifteenth round, where I can be like, well, I'm going to take Dylan Floro because he might be closing, and I'm going to take a young guy, um, maybe a minor leaguer, maybe you know, I don't know, just uh, Spencer Steer, you know, like point being, just like you can pick two different types of players in that round and have a better chance of actually getting the guy that has the value. Yeah. And two other things, uh, I, there was a principle that I've, I've, I read long ago that I, I really have not employed very often and I should, really should. Yeah. You know what's coming. This is something to share, but the later you get in the draft, the more likely you should drop them early in the, in the season. You shouldn't hold on to a player if they're drafted in the 20th round all the season long, unless they're any good. So you shouldn't feel the investment. But interesting, like round 15, I'm just going to cherry pick just for education here. Uh, the best picks in this draft, uh, in this round, Justin Steele, Zach Eflin, Esturi Ruiz. That's three picks that all met or exceeded uh, expectations. What would yes. you say of Christian Encarnacion strength? You know, that type of pick. Given what you know now, he's been promoted and he's playing. Is it a, right. is that a failure? Is that a, a success? What, is, what would you call that? I, I'm sorry, he was picked in that round. Yeah. Oh no, I think that's fine. That's like fine. I think it, you're getting because the idea with the guy like him is like if if he goes on a homer binge like he's capable of doing, like maybe he's a, a keeper. Maybe he doesn't have enough yeah. at bats to and qualify even... three, and you can keep him as a minor instead of some guy who's like 17 and just had Tommy John that you've been holding on to. So. Yeah, so I'm, I'm again, I'm cherry picking. So, Josh, if you're hearing me, take with a grain of salt. Tamar Johnson was also drafted by John in this round. Uh, I think that's a good speculative pick because he actually had a good season this year. Uh, Vishnu picked Carlos Santana, who's been the 12th overall first baseman. That's not a bad value either. There's a lot of value just in this one round, and I'm not even talking about Alex Lang, but Detroit Tigers closer. Um, and if you go down like into the next following rounds, there, there's picks like this where there's there's some people just reaching. Ultimately, this is the point that, that Josh is asking: Is it worth uh, these picks? I'm of the belief, and you can, this is a good discussion. I'm of the belief that accumulating these picks, you can either trade them to bulk up, you know, go two 13th rounders for an 11th rounder, or you can uh, just play the lottery game of just having a lot of picks and then being done by round 16. I think that that there's there's value in these picks. Is ultimately, my point. Yeah, 
And and the thing is, you know, for for people who do trade picks like me, the way that I try to overcome the the dart theory here is just being on point of like, okay, who are the guys that are not going to get drafted that I want to, you know, again, target to pick up immediately, right? Like, is there a guy who just, I know has an everyday spot, but he's like, whatever. And it's like, I want a backup shortstop or whatever, or is it a young guy? Anyway, the point is just, there's, you know, later. it's still throwing, it's still dart throwing, but I agree with you in the sense that like, if I can have two picks in a round, it's always better than having one. Yeah. What, what's the harm? I mean, you have an extra. And, yeah. So, um, and, and for example, like in a round like that, right, it would allow you to pick somebody like Tamar Johnson as a minor leaguer and pick somebody like uh, Carlos Santana or whatever, you know, who's viable. Exactly. Um, All right. What, so, what were the, well, those other picks? Or other, uh, uh, no, questions? no. So, those other questions here were let me see if I can pull this up. Said with with the win stat getting more arbitrary and random, with starting pitchers going shorter into games, should the league replace wins with quality starts? Interesting question. What is your thought on um, the correlation between quality starts and wins? Um, that there, I, a good question. I don't know. I was that there are more quality starts than there are wins. Um, but I don't know if that's accurate nowadays. Like, and frankly, I don't even know what, like, well, starter wins, you know, like starting pitcher wins. Right. Um, let me see here. I'm pulling up fan graphs and looking at uh, quality starts versus uh, starting pitcher. Um, all right, you, and do you, do you know who's I, leading in wins right now? No. <laughs> uh, Justin Steele is number one with 13 wins. Oh, God. The Cubs. I, I don't understand. $5. You can name number two. He's is tied, it? tied with Justin Steele. I'll give you five bucks. Number two, so he's not tied. If they're tied, then he's also number one. Yes, he's also number one. Sorry. American League or National League? Well, I'm giving you money here. Come on. Come on. I, I don't have an, uh, no idea. No okay. one on my team. NL. No one on my team. I'm going to answer that. Okay. Blake Snell. Um, it's actually, Blake Snell is um, not. He only has eight wins. It is, um, I'm just looking at this. Jesus Christ. Time will walk. Time will Never. Walk. Is it really? Yeah, 13 and 4. Just a shade under a four year. Um, yeah, and nothing in terms of K per nine or any of the metrics that we have. Like, he just strictly eats innings. Yes. And wins. And wins. And wins. Um, where the hell? All right, so Chip's doing this. Uh, I want to discuss Lowe's third question, which is um, because I, no one wants Chip's input on this. Commanding <laughs> lead in the standings, which is he is up one game over Lowe, is the mm-hmm. only thing that can stop Chip. Chip. Mm-hmm. The answer to that is 100% Lowe. 
Um, I think that what's going to happen this week, Chip has a, he's dominating me right now in our matchup. And it's because he cheated. He had too many pitchers going. And also Chip has this whole luck thing going where like, oh, okay. Dylan Cease isn't beats uh, Dylan Cease who has been terrible recently beats Gary Cole and the Yankees at Comiskey. Okay. That that's just luck. That should not happen with this White Sox team and with the way Cease is pitching. So Chip is going to lose this week to me. This is my prediction. Oh, and it is going to tear him apart. He's going to be, he's probably going to bench Ellie to the Cruz next week. He's going to totally mess up his pitching lineup next week. And we're going to see Chip lose two weeks in a row. Wow. You know who I play next week? I, I, that's not my responsibility. I'm just talking about karma coming back to slap you in the face, back into reality that you don't get to just, you know, the other thing I'll point out that someone else brought up was that Chip has basically started dominating since we stopped doing the pod. Right. And before that, I was dominating. So <laughs> we're definitely going to have some guests on. We're going to keep this going through the finals and we'll see if Chip's there. We'll see if I'm there. We'll see if Lowe's there. No, I think it's a crapshoot here on in. So I'm not saying, I'm not going to like. You realize um, the who is number one in quality starts is Derek Cole, followed by tied with Logan Webb. Um, the only surprising name here is Marcus Stroman. Everyone else is a really good pitcher. Um, but no, not to pull away from uh, the, the most important question of whether or not I'm going to win it all and I'm going to get the bat and the bobblehead. No, no, no. Um, we, we didn't answer Lowe's question because what I was expecting the whole time I was just talking, I was expecting you to be on your computer, computering and being like, okay, so, you know, like there are X number of total quality starts. There are X number of total wins or starting pitcher wins. Like there are more quality starts so as enough to justify replacing wins because there are fewer wins for starting pitchers. Well, the, okay, hold on, back up. Why, why are we, why are we exploring replacing pitcher wins? Uh, Lowe's question was that with their wins, win set, it's more arbitrary and random, and with starters pitches, starting pitchers, going shorter into games, mm -hmm. and then also obviously all the teams that are now doing the Tampa thing, which is like every team's doing it except for the White Sox. Yeah. Um. In general, I think quality starts are more public than starter wins. Yeah, by far. Easy. That's And it's more directionally um, accurate towards uh, pointing towards the best pitchers. That being said, um, it, it's a, there is value in reliever wins, which if you go to quality starts, you eliminate. Um, and I, you know, I, pitchers. Totally, I, the whole starter, the whole like, um, having a starter like go for an inning you know a couple of years ago we thought that that was like a new trend that was going to like every team was going to start doing i don't see every team doing it i see teams with a really bad fifth starter doing it and then they call it the bullpen day or uh, reliever day or whatever like it doesn't happen that much well frankly it doesn't happen that much in tampa anymore either yeah 
even and they could use it more um, because the, but, their so, starter situation is really dicey. So here's the question, and I think this is ultimately the you know the, the root of the question, which is: Do we want something that would better that may better um, like the pitchers? the starting pitcher in that specific role, like the starting pitcher, like quality, obviously a reliever can't have a quality start unless it's they start. Anyway, uh, for the most part, right. The guys we're using as relievers in this league and the, under these rules, like aren't they're relievers in any, only because they're not starting. Right. They can be any other type of relief pitcher. They can be closer, a middle relief or whatever, as long as they're not starting. And then we have starting pitchers. And so do we want to have a statistic that's more reflective of the starting pitcher's role? Um, and, you know, again, does that detract from like relief pitcher value? If you don't have top closers and you get, you know, I don't know. So every year there's a relief pitcher that has like nine wins. Um, but again, it's kind of random. So I don't know. It's, well, I'll just leave the let the audience mull over this this morning. But would you prefer would you prefer um, prioritizing having Marcus Stroman on your team, um, or would you rather have instances where you have Taiwan Walker and Austin Gomber? And sorry to say, but like uh, this is so strange to say this, but like. Um, because Tywin Walker has more quality starts than Lynn. Uh, Dean Kramer has the same number. And then Charlie Morton actually has more quality wins than or more wins than quality starts. So what do you what do they have in common? They're all guys who give up a lot of runs and yet their teams let them go deep. What is better? Like us playing the game on pitchers that are really good to pitch five innings or having pitchers that go seven innings and give up a more runs. Grand right. is an example of this. I think that we look at, right, kind of the – so in terms of how we – how I certainly would look to either draft players or keep players or pick up players, right, I'm not looking at wins. I, I don't look at that, right? And so um, probably the, the statistics I look at are more – associated with like a quality start, right? I'd look at like, oh, okay, like is this guy, you know, what's his K9, what, what's his K9, what's his whip? I don't even really look at ERA that much, but like, I don't know if it would change how I would play strategically. I'm still looking for those pitchers that yeah. can go five innings or six innings or seven or eight or nine, whatever. It's only five innings. So I don't think it would change the way I'd play the game strategically, um, which is, you know, that's just my thought. Like, I still target the same type of pitchers. Agreed. And it, Blake Snell is the perfect, perfect example for me of going, like, a guy who goes five innings. And, is he going to get the win? No. But this year is the example. Is the, the is anomaly, it, 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 He's actually been really good. Right? But he always does five innings, 100, 100 pitches, and he gives up, like, six walks. And he only gives up two earned runs, but he doesn't get the quality win. But could qualify for the win. So, and, and I think I think that the right, so here's the thing. If we were to do a quality start type thing versus wins, what I'd be interested in knowing is like at the end of the season, 
how many total cro- across the board, how many quality starts were there in baseball? Right. It's and like then 30% more, 30% more, 30, 30%, more. 30%, 30% more quality starts than there are starting pitcher wins. Correct. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess the, here's the thing. I think it could, in my mind, what I'm thinking is if there are more of those, that means there are more points for us to get. I think we still end up value, you know, valuing those players the same and evaluating the same, but we're just looking for, we're going to have more reward, right? Um, Because there's going to be more points. We're still going to be going for the same pitchers. No one wants Taiwan Walker. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's good, but he's not that good. In that new system with quality starts, he would, be moving, he would move up. I think in general, there, it's fine as is. I don't think there's a better metric than wins, unfortunately, at this point. Well, I think this is – I'm gonna that's going to put a, a pin on the show because um, we've answered Lowe's question. And what I'm going to say is when – when we make it to the playoffs, uh, we might have Lawn as a guest, and he might be able to make his argument. Yeah, uh, we, we, we might want to continue this over the year and, and the off season. Yeah. So anyway, folks, if you have any questions, any feedback, anything, Chicago Beef League at gmail.com. And we're going to do our best to talk to you guys all next week. Yes, we will make it happen. All right. Ciao, y'all.